And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. Well, welcome back, everyone. It is the Weighing In Podcast with our midweek edition. We have a lot of fights to talk about. We've got the Bellator card with the world title fight in the welterweight division, Douglas Lima versus Yaroslav Amazov. And then we have the big UFC pay-per-view. I'm sorry that it's a pay-per-view. That means you got to put more money out. That's the way they make their money. So put the money out. Let the fighters get some money. And they do have some good fights for us with the main fight being the champion in the middleweight division, Izzy, against Marvin Vittori for the middleweight title. That should be a great fight. We also have a flyweight with Figueroa versus Brandon Marino in a rematch that was a freaking phenomenal fight the first time. And then we also have Edwards against Diaz. Those two guys, I think I've heard their names before. Josh, do you know either guy? I know a little bit about you know, one of them, and I have trained with the other one. But okay, yeah, I think go. we know each other. I think we've, right. we've been acquainted before, but yeah, good stuff, man. Honestly, I'm pumped for this whole weekend of cards. This fight, this whole weekend of fights is going to be great. It will, it will get rid of that nasty taste in my brain and my <laughs> mouth from this last weekend. And I'm glad that we are moving on to this weekend that is coming to, to, up. I'm the real pumped. fights. I'm so pumped, man. I mean, this is this is gonna be a great weekend of fights, and I'm pumped for all the fighters and their opportunities to shine and the opportunities they're gonna have to be on that stage and perform and and lay it all out there, man. I love, I fucking love this shit, John. This this is the stuff that these type of fights are the ones that really, I don't want to say, but kind of turned me on. <laughs> kind of gets me going, buddy. It's all right, these are great, man. These are. are gonna be great fights. I'm I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped for all of them. Um, let's go, let's, uh, let's talk the Bellator fights first. We'll go through those ones. Okay. Um, we've decided that we're pretty much going to do the breakdowns of the top three fights that we think you guys should be, uh, eye popping. We'll pick one out of the prelims too, that if you guys want to tune in and watch, we feel like, uh, might be very good for you guys to watch, you know, in terms of activity, excitement, those type of things. So, um, let's start off first with, uh, Douglas Lima and Yaroslav Amosov. Undefeated fighter, 25-0. and He's got the best record in all of MMA. Now that Khabib is retired, and we've said that multiple times. But he's just sneaky good. He doesn't do anything too flashy. He doesn't do anything too great. But he's found a way to out-wrestle some of the best wrestlers in the game right now. You know, Ed Ruth, uh, Logan Storley. He's, his transitions, his scrambles, all of those scenarios and situations, he does a phenomenal job at. And so when I see him against someone like Douglas Lima, the only thing that really kind of makes me a little worried about it is that he leaves himself open to be hit. And the amount of power that Douglas Lima possesses with the kicks as well as his hands, which people, a lot of people forget about, is that his power in his hands is no different than the powers in his kicks. His kicks just show a little bit more on people's legs. And that's really what it is. It makes them, it makes them basically walk and limp around the, you know, and they start, it starts affecting how they perform. When he touches you on the chin, though, they're waking you up. You know, and you don't, he doesn't get enough credit for that, but he's really good on the feet. He's got heavy hands. He's not as easy to take down as people think. And, and Yaroslav Amosov is not someone who goes out there and hunts takedowns either. He will go after her and get it, but he's not someone that he'll stand and bang. He'll sh drop down the legs. He'll come back up and stand and bang a little bit. He's got to be very cautious and careful about standing in, in, in front of Douglas Lima for too long. No doubt about it. And you're, you're looking at Amazon. Here's a guy that walked into Bellator undefeated and has remained undefeated and has fought 
very good competition as far as guys like Ed Ruth, Logan Storley being wrestlers, and he has out-wrestled those NC2A All-Americans or NC2A champions. So this is a guy, you know, he, he didn't start wrestling. He just became an MMA fighter, but he has evolved so well in all the facets of it, and he transitioned so well, and that's the big difference. You will think that he's into striking with you, gets into a clinch, works on the striking, will break off, keep on striking, come back into the clinch. You think he's going to do the same thing, and all of a sudden now he's going into one of his sweeps, one of his takedowns. He's got some beautiful judo throws. The guy is just very talented and transitions from one element to the next. That's what makes him so hard to deal with. It is the difference of power, though. That's what I see as the difference here. And the one thing that I look at, I look at a uh, an opponent, not a common opponent, but I look at a guy in Andre Korshkov, a guy that took Douglas Lima's title when Douglas Lima had a bad knee injury and was taken down pretty much at will by Andre Korshkov, who decided, I don't want to be in the stand-up with this guy. I come in as a kickboxer, and this guy is too good in the kickboxing to as far as the power that he delivers, I don't want to have to eat that. I'm going to put him in a position where I believe I can do damage to him and not get damaged. It was a great game plan long ago. And then Douglas Lima came back and now has two wins against Korshkov. And most people don't want to fight Andre Korshkov. Korshkov is a beast, but he has got very good takedowns. He's got good wrestling, and he's very similar in a lot of ways as far as his transitions with Amazov, and so I, I believe that Douglas Lima, being the guy who is, he just has fought, I'm not saying that Amazov has not fought good competition, it's just that Douglas Lima has fought better competition. You look at the, you know, the resume, you know, in Bellator, you can say, you know, Eric Silva's a good fighter. Obviously, you know, Dave Rickles, great fighter. Mark Leminger, good fighter. Logan Storley, great fighter. Ed Ruth, all of them are talented, but they're not of that talent level that you can look at Douglas Lima. Now, Douglas Lima's last fight was against Musasi, and he lost. But he was actually coming on in the fight as far as he was doing better in the later rounds than he was in the beginning rounds. And you take a look at you know the fights with guys like Rory McDonald. He's got two fights with Rory McDonald. He's got the Michael Page victory. And like I said, he's got three fights with Korishkov, Paul Daly. You know, all of these guys, man, Lorenz Larkin being another one, this is what separates guys at times when you're in against all of these killers and you see all these different things and it just keeps on adding to who you are. Your toolbox gets bigger. What you can do in certain situations gets just a little bit better. And right now it's the question of does Douglas Lima have someone in the welterweight division that matches up really well with him? There is a guy that does but he's in a different freaking organization. His name's Uzman. And I think, you know, that would be a tough fight. That's, that's a really good matchup. I think Amazov is absolutely a great matchup. I'm just not sure that he has everything. And the one thing that I can, that really concerns me in the end, cardio, Amazov puts out a lot of energy. And in the end, you see him get tired. Douglas Lima doesn't get tired. Douglas Lima has been the five rounds. He knows how to go the five rounds where I'm not sure Amazov has that ability right at this time. Well, I think that what he's got to do is make the – look, I talked to Austin Vanderford about him. What he's got to do is make the adjustments on his amount of rest time. If you're doing a five-round fight and you're training five rounds in – and I've talked to Vanderford, I've talked to a couple other people out of ATT. 
The guy's always training. He's nonstop. Like he's even when he leaves the gym, he goes rides his mountain bikes or he's goes and runs with his dogs. Like he's just he's super active to the point of overtraining. And I look, I feel like it looks like that in his fights. And he's somebody who fights at a pace that not a lot of fighters can keep up with. You know, and he even himself has a hard time keeping up with himself. And that's the problem. You need to give your time. You need to give yourself time to rest at moments when you're on top, dominate the position, control the position, make your opponent carry your weight. He lacks, I think, the experience in terms of a fight IQ. He fights well He in scrambles and scenarios and situations, but he lacks the fight IQ in terms of how to dictate the pace of the fight. He fights so fast that he makes himself tired. So if the other fighter is more of a relaxed fighter, they'll have an advantage to that in that situation. And I think Lima will have that knowing that he's been, like you said, five rounds multiple times against very, very tough competition. You know, I mean, I mean like Korshkov, what, three times? And then, you know, obviously... um, Roy McDonald, but then his last fight with Gegard Mousasi, him going up in weight and going five rounds with him and Gegard having to be carried out of the cage after that because of his legs and because of the leg kicks from Douglas Lima. He possesses the power. There's one thing that I will say, Douglas Lima, sure, he maybe he doesn't get tired, but he also doesn't fight at a fast pace. So he's not someone that will will push you and make you fight at his pace. He's someone that is almost like a Patricio where he stands in the middle of the cage and says, come to me. Okay. And if you get too close, I'm going to kick you and knock your head off. And that's kind of exactly how Patricio has started fighting. And look at the success they've had. He wasn't able to do that against Gegard because Gegard was the bigger guy. But when it came down to it, Lima did more damage throughout the fight. He didn't get the win because he wasn't, Lima wasn't as active, but like that, that's exactly what I was saying. He doesn't have a big output. And if, Amosov can make him output more than he's used to. Will he get tired? I don't think Lima will get tired, but I don't think he'll be able. I, don't, I think there'll be some rounds that he will lose if he doesn't get the knockout. You know, and that's like with Amosov, he he stay he, he moves a lot. You've got to walk him down a little bit. You've got to cut the cage off. He moves, he strikes, and he moves back in and out. But it also could set up what you saw against Michael Venom Page when he steps in to throw and Lima throws that leg kick. He could drop him a couple times with that. And the fight will start to change. And the lack of movement will start to change if Lima starts touching that leg, which we've seen opens up the chin. You know, and so there's a lot of what ifs in this situation that I'm talking out my ass right now. But the reality is there's so many different ways this thing could go because Yaroslav could take him down. He could wrestle him. He could, he, he hits submissions, which is very impressive. I want to make sure we get into that portion of him because he hits transitions from positions that you we haven't really seen from a whole lot of people. And I was given the example of Tony Ferguson. It was unheard of when people were when Tony Ferguson was hitting Darces from his butt, not even in guard, but yeah. just hitting it from his butt with his legs out, legs locked together, hitting those submissions. Well, Amosov did the same thing to Logan Storley and almost finished the fight. And so he has these these tricks up his up his sleeve that he likes to use in different ways on how he scrambles as well. When you think he's lost the position, how he scrambles to get to the top. That's what he did with Ed Ruth. And Ed Ruth's like a cat. When it comes to wrestling, his scrambling is one of the best in the game. And he did that all through all through college at Penn State. That's what made him a national champion, multiple time national champion. You know what I mean? And so the scramble itself is really where I feel like he needs to make it a dirty, grimy fight. Make Lima fight in positions that he's not normally used to because he used to be in the controlling fighter. He controls where, where the fight goes everywhere because people respect his power. If he can get it to be a kind of a, a scrambling type, dirty fight, mix it up from the feet to the ground to the wrestling, I think Amosov's got a chance. But can he do it for five rounds? That's the other thing, John. And so 
there's a lot of what ifs, man, that got me yeah, scratching my head going, shit, I can't wait to see this fight. <laughs> that's, the, that's, you know? that's the best part. When you look and you go, I got a championship fight where, yeah, the champion can definitely win. Challenger could definitely win too. And you're not sure exactly who's the guy that's going to control the pace and, and location of this fight. And it may change back and forth throughout the fight because we do know that Amazov can definitely put somebody on their back. He has that ability. And although Lima is incredibly hard to take down, Gegard Mousasi, first round, took him down and did damage to him. That was the round that Gegard actually looked great in and did a lot of damage to Douglas. And from that point on, it was Douglas doing most of the damage in the fight. Yeah. Gegard had his moments and got a close decision victory. But, you know, Douglas Lima is a beast when it comes to the power that he possesses. When he decides to go and he decides to throw those leg kicks or throw those hands, he does damage with them, and he alters what you do as his opponent, which makes him very difficult to you know, defeat. And then we'll see how Amazov is able to handle those situations. 25-0, and 0, John. 25-0. Yeah. and 0. That's, To me, that's just that's so impressive. So impressive, you know, but like you said, the, the competition hasn't been what Douglas Lima's competition has been, but Douglas Lima coming off of a loss, you know, and we said this, who were we talking about just recently? Oh, Izzy, but he's coming off of a loss too. Sure. He's the champ at that weight class, you know, at 185, but he went up in weight and just like Douglas Lima, he went up in weight and now they're coming back down. Will they be the same fighters? You know, we're going to talk about Izzy here next, probably, you know, here shortly, but yeah. is, are they both going to be the same fighters? Because confidence is everything. And then the confidence is not what it was when you before you went up. Now, are they going to make excuses for themselves? They're going, going to tell themselves, yeah, but I went up and challenged myself. I'm still the same fighter. But in reality, no, no, you're not. Like, it's always in the back of your mind a little bit like, man, I could have won it, but I didn't. I mean, and if, for fighters that tell you that it's not that way, they're lying. They are lying to you. Okay? <laughs> they are lying. <laughs> they're, li they're just saying that Liar! in front of the camera to let you guys know that uh -huh. it, it really did bo it bothered them. And, it, you know, it's probably eaten away at them in the back of their mind. But are they the same fighter? And then will they be able to perform the way that they were at that weight class at 170? He's dropping back down in weight. How much time did that take to get your weight back down? Because he did put the weight on properly, it seemed. He looked good at that weight class. How much, how much harder was it for him to lose the weight? I saw him jump a rope the other day in a video he posted. He's got plastics on already. You know, here we are. We're, you know, we're 10 days out, you know, or whatever it was. It was, this was last Friday, you know? So we, you're like, you know, seven to eight, eight days out. You're already cutting your weight. I mean, that starts to drain on you as the fight. And then the conditioning Damn. factor starts playing a factor. So there's a lot of things I think at stake here. Uh, but a lot of things to pay attention to. We're just trying to give you guys the inside track on, you know, both of these athletes, you know, because we do know them pretty well. Yeah. I'm a Yaroslav Amosov fan. I'm a huge Douglas Lima fan. But I think if if anyone in that weight class right now is going to get it done against Douglas Lima, it's going to be Amosov, Jason Jackson, or or maybe Logan Storley. Because he's had problems with, with top, top wrestlers. And is he sometimes has just fallen into that. Like, let's just hang out on my back and I'll get up and, you know, in the next round he's, you know, and that's, that's happened to him a little bit with Korshkov and it happened with him with uh, Roy McDonald, you know, and it started to happen with him with the gay guard situation, but then the rest of the rounds, he made sure he defended the takedowns a lot more vigorously. Yeah. So that was a big word. I just used. Wow. Very nice. Vigorous. <laughs> Very, Very nice. nice. Vigorously. Um, okay. Paul Daly. I think honestly, 
Paul Daly, Jason Jackson, this fight is going to be fireworks. <laughs> I'm pumped for this fight. What's one of the best what things you... you see about that fight the way it is right now? 175. Because, nah. it, yeah, you see? I'm just saying this is it's huge because in this situation, you know, Paul Daly is going to come in. He's going to be able to make that weight. Those five pounds between 75 and 70, Paul Daly has nothing but trouble getting that, that, that extra five pounds off. He's older now, you know, and it just drains him and he's, he has health issues based upon it. Jason Jackson doesn't matter, but this is the, to me, this is the matchup of slick versus, power the guy who's slick in the way he moves he uses his range comes in and out throws combinations and a guy that will throw combinations at times but man he's got power and he's i still say it to this day he's got the best looking left hook in mma he throws a left hook better than anybody in the sport of mma to this day and it's got unbelievable power behind it he can put you out with one shot and he's done it too many times Paul Daly is just fun to watch. And at 175, this is a great matchup. Yeah. Jason Jackson's just on a tear, though, right now. I mean, and let's just be honest. I mean, he should be, what, seven or eight. You know, his last seven or eight fights, he should be undefeated. And in those yeah. last seven or eight fights, he had that one loss to Ed Ruth, which we both agreed that Ed should have lost that fight. And Jason Jackson should have uh, should have won that fight. And so, but he's 14 and four. He's had great performances. He, he just beat Na- Nyman, uh, Na- Naaman, Naaman <laughs> Gracie. I always want to say Neiman because yeah. that's what, you know, when I first met him, it was Neiman, but now I'm hearing from all of his, all of his family that it's Naaman. And so <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that I say it the right way, but overall he's Jason Jackson is tough. He's long, he's rangy, you know, he's going to be touching with that jab. He's going to make Paul Daly overcommit outreach you know and reach out for him it's a matter of whether he can get past those long limbs paul daly and if he can i mean he's got to touch him with that left hook if i'm jason jackson i'm just got i'm glued i'm glued right here with that hand on my chin man just glued like this the whole time he's got to be very careful if, uh of that left hook i mean when it comes down to it though we saw what jason jackson can do on the ground he can wrestle i mean he threw Neiman and gracie around like nobody nobody's business and so if it gets into that position that type of position I could see him taking Paul Daly down as well, controlling that top position because Paul Daly's always had issues and problems with guys that are good wrestlers or guys that have top position, you know, and he's good at also getting back up to his feet, but he has, I would say he has slowed down a tiny bit, you know, not by much, but a little bit. He had a great, his last fight was a freaking amazing fight. Oh. It reminded me of the Nick Diaz, Paul Daly fight a little bit, you know, except he came out on top this time, but it was one of those type fights. Yep. Great round in one minute or two minutes or whatever it was into the second round. It was, but it was a great fight. Um, overall, for me, like if you guys are fans at home, this is going to be a fan favorite. This is one of those you got to just get home, turn your TV on, make sure you guys tune in for this fight. It's going to be a great one. Yeah, this one, the, the, the big difference is when you're looking at this, how well does Jason Jackson use his jab? Because he's got a really good jab. And how effective is Paul Daly at countering that jab does he land the clean shots when he throws the counters or do they miss that's going to be the that's going to be the difference in this story got it um Pico against aiden lee i love that fight yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, I thought John, what was his name? John DeJesus. I thought he was going to give Aaron more trouble. Aaron right now is just, he's, he's falling into that, that Greg Jackson's, uh, you know, and the team that he has there and his coach that Aaron's been working with there. They've got him on, they've got him dialed in, man. He's got a relationship with them that is working for him. It is, it's, it's paying dividends. He's moved himself down to, to Albuquerque. He loves it there. You know, he comes back obviously to visit family, but he's there. He's, he's making sure that his life is surrounded throughout this sport. And that was the best move I think for him. And I've said this for the longest time. There was never any doubt about his potential. There was never that. There was, no one had that doubt. The doubt that I had with him was that I think he was trying to come in and prove to everybody that he was worth the signing when he didn't need to. He just needed to come in and be himself. And he he didn't do that in the beginning. And I think that was the the beginning of the end, kind of in the beginning when he started his whole career. He started thinking he had to come out and show everyone he was he wasn't just a wrestler. He was a boxer and he was a fighter and his and he had that like he wanted to walk around with a little bit of that machismo kind of like feel in there. And I'm like, that's not you, Aaron. You're a good dude. You're a fucking you're a savage. He's a savage when it comes to being a competitor. He didn't need to have that. And I think that set him back. But he's on track, man. He's on track. I mean, this is this is a big fight for him because Aiden Lee's gonna be hard for him to get past. Now, Aiden Lee's also had a loss to Saul Rogers. Saul Rogers was able to take him down, dominate position. But I did call that fight. And it was a lot closer than than people would maybe think. He stuffed a lot of takedowns. He he rocked Saul a couple times with some good shots. And it was a great fight to call. It was fun. I was surprised that fight was on the prelims because it was it was the I think it was the main event of the prelims or something like that. It was a great fight. But um overall, I think Aiden poses a big threat. He poses a threat in terms of his reach and his range. He's got he's got a good little push kick up the middle. He's long with his jab. He's got good footwork, never stays directly in front of somebody. But if Aaron's able to get in there, there's no doubt that Aaron's gonna take him down. When I talk about superior wrestling, people his wrestling is fucking good. It is so good. You know, I mean, he's just got to be the, like, I, I've always said this about wrestlers, not just not Aaron Pico, but a lot of them. Your natural instinct is what we saw with Ben Askren is to dip your head when the person leaves their feet, which always usually will run into a knee. Sometimes you'll get the takedown. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll eat half of it. Sometimes you won't, you know, and sometimes you'll take the full shot. He's got to be careful of that because Aiden Lee is tall. And what we saw, remember when you look at Frankie Edgar and uh, uh, Corey Sanhagen. That that height will make a difference. And when I want to say Aiden Lee's what six foot? I think he's six foot. He's tall. He might be five eleven. I mean, but everyone to me is five six. six. Yeah, he's six <laughs> foot. Yeah, he's six. He's six foot. Uh, everyone in the comment section going whoop whoop five six. Josh couldn't tell you he's five six. Yeah, he's six foot, one hundred forty five pounds. I mean, Aaron's got to be careful because he's not a tall guy. I want to say Aaron's five eight, maybe five seven, but I think he's five eight. Um. So that I mean, it plays a factor. Like you, you think you have to bend down, you bend down, and that knee's already in your face. Well, I th- so that I think, push kick up the middle and the knee up the middle is going to be dangerous. Yeah, but I think he, you know, he's been there, done that, and, and ate it when he faced Adam Borch. You know, that was a difference maker. But that Aaron Pico is was a different fighter than the one that we're dealing with today, because yeah. Aaron Pico of the past was a unbelievable wrestler, and he had great stand up skills but they were separate and he couldn't transition from one to the other. It just wasn't there. He didn't, he just didn't have that ability to really transition his skill set and understand when he should be taking somebody down or when he should be throwing his hands. It just was, I'm either going to box or then it was, I'm just going to wrestle. 
Yep. And that's what he did with Adam Borch. I'm just going to wrestle. And he ran into the knee and, and another loss came. And But it is what Jackson Wink has done with him. And look, they're, I'm, I'm giving them credit, but they're also working with a, a freak athlete, a stud, a world-class guy. So it's it's easy to work with someone who is open to listening and has his skills. Now you can mold him into understanding, okay, look, at this is how you're going to transition when you're in these situations. I want you to slow down. Don't just open up. I want you to pick your shots here. Use your wrestling to put weight on him and make sure that he can't throw something back and just start breaking him down, and that's the Aaron Pico that we're seeing now. Look, Aaron's got power. In his hands, he's got power. He's got phenomenal wrestling. His top game is just heavy as hell. Aiden Lee is a good athlete. He is fast. He's explosive. But And I was going to bring up Sal Rogers. Sal Rogers is a good wrestler. He ain't world-class. He's a strong human being, but you know, you look at what he does technically in his wrestling, and there's a lot of holes, a lot of gaps, because it's just not that smooth, you know, pure wrestling. Aaron doesn't have any of those gaps. He doesn't have any of those holes. He is, man, he understands when he sees something or feels it, you know, a guy starts to get through something, he's able to turn that situation, make, maybe turn the corner instead of going left, I'm going to go right and take a guy and switch him off balance where other guys don't have that same ability to do those things to get someone down without using a lot of energy. And so I look at this fight. You know, no doubt in my mind, Aaron Pico is the favorite. Their records are very close. Aiden Lee can win it. He has got a he's got a lot of skill, especially in the stand up. If it's a stand up battle, I think Aiden with his kicks, you know, he's got good kicks, and so you know he can give Aaron problems with that. But if Aaron has a good game plan of utilizing his wrestling to put Aiden in bad positions, let time go by on the clock as he is beating him up and diminishing him. So when he does get back to his feet, that explosiveness is all gone. Similar to what he did with De Jesus, it's going to be an Aaron Pico's night. Yeah, as long as he, I think he's got to be a little cautious thing as well of the submissions. Um, you know, you, Aaron hasn't been around long enough to really ele- to been elevate his jiu-jitsu game that much. I mean, I know, don't get me wrong, he's got great wrestling. But yeah. they sometimes will, rest, good wrestlers will leave their neck in positions thinking they can get out of it. And the length of Aiden Lee to reach back behind him and get a guillotine or something along those lines, it's there. As well as when you're when you're getting the takedown, making sure you're not falling into a triangle with a guy who's got long legs because he can lock that up from any position yeah. because his legs are so long. So he's got to be very cautious about entering into that guard as well and making sure he's avoiding that upkick. There's a lot of things I think like I would agree with you. Aaron Pico is definitely the favorite. There's no doubt about it, yep. um, especially after watching his last couple of performances. He's, he's made huge gains just you know from the training at greg jackson's with the good with the coaches that are there working with him but um i'm not going to rule aiden lee out i think aiden lee's been preparing for this fight he was when i had talked to him probably about a month and a half ago he was pumped the fact that maybe two months ago he was pumped the fact that they even offered him this fight he's like this is the fight i wanted i want to let everyone i'm like well this is your time buddy if you're gonna do it this is the guy to do it again so I mean, it's gonna to me, it's gonna be a great fight one of the other fights on this uh on this card for me there's obviously i mean you and I were talking about the Taiwan class and Justin Gonzalez fight. And then I'm a, I'm a Crutchmere fan because Crutch trains at AKA, you know, against Le'Veon. Uh, how do you say his last name? Cockley. Chokley. Chokley. Yeah. Okay. Chokley. 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 He's good. Um, yeah, he, he said he's good. Power. He's 9-0. 9-0. 9-0. 9 finishes. 
Nice. Nice. That never I mean, went to sure a judge's decision. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to be saying like, I mean with with Crutch. This is Crutch is my yeah. is fighting him, you know, but um should be a good fight. You know, I know Crutch's been training pretty hard. He's been over at uh AKA as well as uh, Ant Dogs, which is down in Gilroy area there. And uh Taiwan Claxon and Justin Gonzalez. Another good fight. Oh my god, that's a great fight. Justin Gonzalez, he's the guy's the real deal. You know, he was LFA featherweight champion. He is undefeated as a professional at 11 and 0. He was 9 and 0 as an amateur. He's 20 and 0 overall in his MMA combative career. Uh, he's, you know, he's got confidence coming in. They're very similar in that look, they both have a wrestling-based background. You know, Taiwan was a uh, wrestler, you know, Justin wrestler, but they their difference is the way they compete on their feet and the way they go about competing on their feet. That's going to be the difference of, I think Taiwan's a little more explosive, does the fl- big flying knees and has those big explosive moments. Justin doesn't do those quite the same. He's more boxing centric, uses his hands a lot. He will kick at times, but you know, uses his hands to, uh, to beat people down. He does use his wrestling, in my opinion, a little bit more than Claxton does, and he'll take you down and he'll, you know, ground and pound you, uh, for re- from round to round to round to the point where you can't continue in the fight. So that's going to be a really, really good matchup. I feel like with Claxton, though, he's coming off some losses and he needs to get back on that track of the air Claxton type of situation, that confidence oh, yeah. of throwing the flying knees, being, being unpredictable. Those type of things are important. And so I think he needs to go back in there and start thinking about that because he got away from it a little bit of, you know, from what I've seen. And I thought the fight with JJ Wilson was close, it but was. he should have never been, it should have never been that close though. He should have been able to control more of that positioning. He should have been able to get the takedown. He spent a lot of time hanging in on the legs, but not getting the takedowns when he did. He really didn't do a whole lot with it when he did get to the top position. Cause he wasted a lot of energy trying to get the takedowns. Yep. And so he, he needs to get back to that confident, uh, Eric Claxton, you know, Taiwan Claxton needs to be more confident. If he can do that, I think he's got a good chance. But Justin's tough, man. So this is going to be a good fight. That's that's our picks, you guys, for, for the Bellator fights. If you guys want to tune in to, to watch any of the prelims, Taiwan Claxton, Justin Gonzalez, Kyle Kretschmer, and, and Le'Veon, what? Chokely. Chokely. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, obviously, you know, you got Aaron Pico, Aiden Lee, Paul Daly, Jason Jackson, and the main event is... Douglas Lima and Yaroslav and Amasov undefeated 25 and 0 should be a great dynamo fights. It should be. This should be fun. Um, all right, let's uh, let's jump right into this UFC, man. Israel Adesanya versus Whoa. Marvin Vittori. It's a rematch. The first one was a split decision, but it probably really shouldn't have been. It was a close fight, but it wasn't that close. But uh, it was a good fight, though. It was good. But I think Izzy, both of them are different places now in their career. They're both um, they've both uh, improved tremendously since their first fight but who's like improved more though? about with douglas lima what's that who do you think has improved more though well it's hard to say it, it would be hard to say it's not izzy because he's been the champion he's been a dominant champion as well okay. so it's hard to say it's not him but realistically i think yawn just beat him for the first time has the riddle been figured out because as you know once people realize how you can be beat doesn't mean they can do it, but I'm nope. saying that now people start finding ways to try but to get into those positions. they absolutely believe and know yes. that it can be done, and so they have more confidence yep. in doing it. Well, on top of that, then, you know, Izzy, once it does start to happen to him, he's like, oh, shit, it's happening again. And then they're not the same fighters they were before when they were undefeated. 
You know, and so it just, they start seeing it happen and they start allowing it to happen a little bit more and it becomes a problem. It's a confidence thing. It goes back into this confidence situation. If I'm getting takedown or if I'm losing takedowns, shit, it starts bothering me more. And so you start, you think you're defending or you're exerting a lot more energy to defend, but you're still not getting it. You're still, you're still getting taken down. It's a lot of work, but will Vittori gas himself out, you know, trying to get the takedowns? Will he even attempt? Will he stand in front of him like a knucklehead and try and fight? You know, like, what will he do? John, John, talk to me, Goose. What's he going to do? I, I I, do believe that uh, Vittori knows that, look, I can take him down because I have taken him down. And he did. But what he's got to do is improve upon what he did once he did take him down. You've got to get Israel's shoulders to the mat. You cannot just have his butt hit the... His butt hitting the floor is not a takedown. He is still in a position where he's comfortable... You've got to put that pressure and be able to take away his post, drive him down. Now when you're putting that shoulder pressure into his neck and his shoulders are on the mat, he's a completely different fighter. He's no longer dangerous to you. It's now about him just trying to get up, and it's all about, well, what do you do as far as utilizing your underhooks and good body positioning to make make sure that that doesn't happen, similar to what Blahovich did. That's what Blahovich did, and that's how he got his win. And so, like you said, that blueprint is there now. Because, it, you know, if you go back and you watch that fight with Blahovich, Izzy won the first round. And then Blahovich started doing little things that started taking the fight over and putting pressure. And he definitely showed that if you're going to take Izzy down, don't try to take him and drive him into the fence. He's very good at utilizing that cage as a post, as a balanced, you know, fulcrum. And he's difficult to take down there, especially because of his size, his length. When you're trying to, you know, get a guy and you're getting a single leg or a high crotch and he's really tall, it's tough to get their feet off of the ground and that just yeah. that little bit of friction on the ground makes it to where you just burned a lot of energy, you didn't get him down, and now you're going, oh, shit, and you're trying to suck wind. That blast double, and Vittori can get it. It's just he's got to time it right, and he's got to use his stand-up to make that timing happen. That's the question, can he do it, because... Let's just be honest. There's not many guys that match up with Israel when it comes to the stand-up position. He's slick. He is so good with mixing up his attacks, changing his angles, giving you feints that make you think that he's going to do one thing, and then all of a sudden he's bringing you know, a different attack. He covers his kicks well with his hands. He just does everything functionally very, very well in the stand-up. So Vittori is at a disadvantage when it comes to the stand-up game, even though his stand-up has gotten really good. It's all about his timing and execution and when does he attempt those takedowns and does he complete them? Does he get it to the point where he actually keeps Israel on the mat for a while? I think the Kevin Holland fight was a good fight for Vittori leading up to this fight, knowing that he he wasn't sure if he was getting the next title shot when he had that fight. And Kevin Holland came in as a last-minute replacement. But, I mean... The scenario was very is very good in terms of like it was it's good you're having to fight someone who's tall who is long and lanky I know as much as you guys on the comment section <laughs> like hear me say that okay um it really just comes down to that th- those those guys like you said it's hard sometimes you lift them and their feet still touch the ground you can't get them up off the ground really and they can that little bit of friction or this being able to put one or two toes down it makes a big difference as well as 
you have to remember when they're mainly when they're lifting, they're usually against the fence. So you have to bring them away from the fence, then try to dump them. And as soon as they land, they go right to putting their body against the fence because now you can only attack one side of them. And that changes how guys will eventually start getting their takedowns. That's why you're seeing a little bit more of the open mat wrestling right now. People are not hitting the double and the single anymore and then driving you to the fence and lifting like Khabib does. They're doing more of the... Let me try to get the takedown out here in the open. So like what Frankie used to do, Frankie Edgar, he'd shoot on the single and switch to the double and then turn you in the turn the corner and then hit basically lift and dump you right there in the cage instead of taking you to the cage and trying to lift you from there. He was never a big guy, so that's why I think he just chain wrestled the fuck out of you. And he's also you know, whereas, smart. you know, Khabib, yeah, he was smart. Khabib would just drive you to the fence, lock his hands, and you were going for a ride. Um, you know, Vittori could do that. I think he can do that against uh, Izzy, but can he do it consistently without making himself tired? You know, because you remember, you have to remember that if you don't get the takedown, Izzy going to make you pay. Yep. You know, and so when it comes down to, now yeah, my shoulders are heavy, my back is heavy, everything's tired, and I kick you my hands up, and now I'm stuck out here with a world-class striker. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's the, the <laughs> thing. Like, those are those are things that go through fighters' minds. You have to remember, a fighter's thinking to himself, Man, if I don't get this takedown, I'm gonna be stuck in the middle of this cage with Izzy, who's a phenomenal striker. What am I gonna do? I gotta circle, stay away, and he's gonna see that, and it's gonna put more pressure on me. He, he's got to he's gonna have to fight a very smart fight to make yeah. sure that he's not wasting energy on positions that he knows he's not gonna get. Because if he does, it can be a short night for him. But I think overall, this is gonna be a fun fight. And if it does, if the title does change hands, there's so many def- other fights for Marvin Vittori to fight. You know, and like Izzy's fought a lot of the guys that are already in this bracket, you know, and so it opens up the door now, the floodgates for like, oh, now we can see Vittori versus Whitaker. You see Vittori versus somebody, you know, like Paula Costa. You can see those fights all happen. So there's a lot to be said, I think, in the terms of it changing hands. I just want to just slow my row, though. I don't think that, I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not too sure that's going to happen either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. Uh, Round number six. Round six. <laughs> Love them. Yeah, let's do, this is a great continuation, man. This is going to be a great fight. But you got to remember, though, Moreno, got, he got hurt in the first round of the last fight. He got some serious trouble. And I think at the end of the first round, right, he hurt Figueredo, or was that in the second round? But there was a couple times there where they were hurting each other back and forth. But I believe Moreno got hurt early in the first round. Then he hurt uh, Figueredo at the end of the, se- end of the first or maybe end of the second. I'm trying to recall. But, man, it was a great fight. And if you guys, if you guys are at home wanting to watch fan favorite fights, this is one of those fan favorite fights. I mean, it really comes down to whose chin's going to last. You know, Moreno puts his combinations together. Figueredo tries to hit you with one, one, two punches and get you out of there. He tries to finish you any way he can. Figueredo's like a, I don't want to, I don't want to say it. he's not a dirty fighter, but he just seems like he's a grimy, dirty, like type fighter. A little nasty. He's just one of those. Yeah, he's nasty. That's the big. I think that's the word I was looking for. He's just nasty. Like man, you don't seem like there's a nice bone in your body. <laughs> like, <in laughs> he wants to hurt those things. Was like for that. one for a hundred twenty five pounder, he seems like he just just throws a, just everything's with bad intentions. It's it's disgusting. <laughs> those are the guys <laughs> that I would hate to fight with Brandon Moreno. Though but he's he's got good defense, got good boxing, stays on point. He just got to keep his chin tucked, avoid the damage. I think in the first two rounds, he'll start to come on, and he just starts putting out the pace in the third, fourth, and fifth. He's got a good chance of winning this fight. It's gonna be a tough fight. I'm going to lean towards Figueredo, though, because it was a good fight the first time, but I had him landing the cleaner, harder shots as the fight was going on. He was slowing, but he, he gutted it out towards the end and started doing some more damage as well. 
It was a wonderful fight. Moreno is uh, still young, you know, and so, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be a great fight. Another fan favorite, I think. You know, we, we have a friend in Jay Glazer who has a gym in West Hollywood called Unbreakable, right? A lot of celebrities, a lot of stars work out there, but that name, that gym is named after Mr. Brandon Moreno, because if there's one thing that (laughs) Devinson Figueredo should have figured out in that first fight, this guy's unbreakable. I can't break him. I can beat him. But I can't break him, so don't go after trying to break him. You're not going to break the guy. He is just that junkyard dog tough. I will not quit. I will not stop. It doesn't mean that you can't knock him out. It doesn't mean that you can't submit him. That's a possibility. But you're not going to break him. And that's one of the things I think that Fegarito needs to figure out as he goes into this fight. Hey, just let me just put shots on this guy and just start making it to where he cannot come back at me the same way with the same effectiveness that he did in the first round because I was getting a little tired because Figueroa will get tired. You know, he, he loses a lot of weight. You know, Moreno doesn't lose near the amount of weight that Figueroa is. And I think that is in some ways an advantage as far as, you know, going into the later rounds for Moreno. This is a fight that either guy can win. I think that Figueroa, if he fights a smart fight, it's his fight to lose. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It's going to be, I think Figueredo has a chance of, you know, keeping the title. But then I think Moreno's got a chance, too, of outcarding him, make him fight at a faster pace and a harder pace to see if he can get him out of there. It's going to be, I think it's going to go the distance, obviously, but I think it's going to be a great fight, man. It's going to be a fan Junkyard dog tough against a lot of skill, a lot of strength, a lot of of nastiness, as you said. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right, Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. John, talk to Uh, me. God, I'll tell you what, I'm being, I'm just going to say it the way I look at it, and I love Nate Diaz. I have loved Nate for a long time, you know, as far as he's a good fucking guy. His brother, Nick, good fucking guy. You know, I got stories that I could say about both of them and stuff. They're just, they are who they are, and I love that about them. You know, they don't, they don't play games. You know, if you're, you know, if you respect them, they respect you. I just don't see where this is a good fight for Nate, though. And, and this is where, uh, Leon is technically, first off, you, know, you, know, you get into your long and lanky. They're both long and lanky. But there's a huge speed difference in huge. this fight. Huge speed difference. And as we always say, speed kills. Leon Edwards, in my opinion, has to make a big mistake in this fight for Nate to have a real opportunity because Leon's got a good gas tank. He doesn't get tired. He can go you know, at a, at a good clip for the, for the five rounds since the five round fight. And, you know, Nate puts pressure on guys, but Leon, for the most part now, he eats pressure up. He likes pressure. He deals with it well, and he creates angles that takes that pressure and makes it to where Nate, as the guy pushing that pressure, it just starts to work against him at times because he eats shots based upon the pressure. So I look at this, you know, in, and just in reality, Leon Edwards is a big favorite here. If Nate Diaz wins this fight, and he hasn't fought in a while, if he wins this fight, because this, this is his first fight since the BMF fight, you know, if he wins this fight, that's a big win for Nate. And he's he is taking out a guy that is definitely top of the food chain in the welterweight division. Yeah, I, I don't see how Nate wins the fight, though. And I know I said that with the whole Chandler thing as well when he was fighting uh, Oliveira. I'm like, I don't see how Oliveira wins this fight, but I was wrong. 
I don't see how Nate wins the fight. I mean, I fought Nate, but then also with, I've trained with Leon. Leon, like you were saying, that Nate's going to put the pressure. And the one thing that I took away from our fight is that he was a lot slower than I thought, like Nate is. So, like, when he throws his combinations, they're not fast. No, and he's you know, a little long, slower now. They're not fast. And Leon is fucking fast. When I yeah. trained with him, I was like, God, I don't think I don't think there's ever been a fighter that was faster than him that I've trained with. You know, and um, when I yeah, when I'm talking about guys that I've sparred with and trained with and worked with, I was just baffled by how fast he was and how accurate he was and how he put two and three punches together. You know, off that speed and accuracy as well. And Nate's going to be walking into some shots. He's going to be throwing and he's going to be missing. And when he's missing, he's going to be getting hit. And so that's going to all lead up into more stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's the submission threat there. If he can get Leon's head down, I mean, you don't want Nate anywhere around your neck at all. If your head, Leon, gets down by his waist, I mean, it could be over quick. He sinks it in so fast. and they're, they're not physically strong. The Diaz brothers are not physical. Nate is not. He's not physically strong, but he's slick. Oh, yeah. He's really damn good. He's yep. really slick on getting his submissions in. And they happen so fast because of his, his, his arm length and his leg length. I mean, I remember the Kurt, uh, Kurt Pellegrino fight, right? Yep. Where he did the whole, after he got the triangle on there, he flexed <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, and the thumbs. It was, it was pretty dope. Um, you know, I mean, but like those are the situations where most people, like they would have had to fight to get that triangle locked in more. And he didn't have to because he was so long. The same That's thing right. goes for his guillotine. He'll just reach around that neck. And he did, all he's got to do is put you in a rear naked from the guillotine position because his arms are so damn long. Yep. And so he hits that. He hits it pretty well. And the strength is going to go to Leon. The speed is going to go to Leon. Um, you know, I would I would probably put the conditioning in the in the Nate Diaz category, but when you start taking a lot of clean shots, you start taking a lot of damage. It starts slowing you down, you know, and that's kind of in the story of what's going on with him right now. So I would say I'm I'm gonna lean towards Leon as well. Leon's takedown defense has gotten really good, so it just really comes down to I don't see I don't see Nate, how Nate's not a real takedown fighter. No, he's not. No, he's got a couple little f- tricky foot sweeps that he does off times. Yeah, but he, he you know, very but, seldom does he even look for takedowns. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't understand the logic behind taking this fight. I know it kind of he can jump the line to get right back into a title shot maybe con- contention. Yeah. Um I don't know. I I don't, I don't understand the, really the logic behind this fight. I do know from the UFC why their logic is there. Their logic is, well, Leon, we need you to move the needle. And so you're going to move the needle against Nate. And then if you get a win over Nate, then maybe that will help push for the title shot. If you have an impressive really performance against Nate Diaz, people are going to yep. like watching you again. And so that needle starts to move a little bit more in the upward trajectory. So totally understandable. Un- totally understandable why the UFC put this fight together. Exactly. And then re-put it back together. All right. In the prelims, which one do you say this is the fight that I'm looking forward to? Because there's actually two for me that I look and I go, eh, I want to see that. Oh, you All know, right, since, I'm since you're in that position, of... I will tell you straight out. There was there is the rematch between Eric, your boy Anders, and mm. Darren Stewart. With you know, it got stopped on an illegal knee. Um, Darren Stewart came out hot. Eric Anders was turning the corner on that, and was that fight was going his way. And so that's a fight that I I, I want to see it played out. I want to see what happens in that fight. Uh, I really like Eric Anders as a fighter, and sometimes he fights really well, and sometimes you look and you go, what are you doing? But he's just very athletic, good, smart fighter most of the time. I really enjoy him. 
But the one I think that has the most ramifications, most implications, Lauren Murphy against JoJo, the Scottish wonder, our podcast Dave's favorite fighter, JoJo Calderwood, out of Las Vegas now, you know, with uh, John Wood. That's a that's a really important matchup for Lauren Murphy, in my opinion, because if she can get past Joanna, that should put her in line for a title shot. I don't know if that's a good thing or not because it's against Valentina. <laughs> <laughs> you look and you go, mm, but you know that's what Lauren uh, has worked hard to get herself to, and I think that if she gets a win against uh, Joanna, that's a that, that puts her with. There's nothing that they can say. She's she's on a I believe a four fight win streak right now. That would put her at five straight wins. She has everything to give her that title opportunity that she deserves. Yeah, my my pick though will be the Bilal Muhammad and Damian Maya fight only because that's I'm not a prelim. A that's a main card. Oh, is it? Yeah. No. Yeah. It? Oh, it is. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, one okay. God. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. That's a prelim main right now. <laughs> That's a prelim as well. Oh, so Paul Craig's, uh, he's a prelim. All, he's, uh, he's a main card No, he's card a main also. card. Paul main Craig card and uh, yeah. Hill. Hill. That's a main yeah. card, too. How is Laura Murphy not on the main card if she's potentially next for a title? I know. That one kind of surprised me, you know, especially with the Paul Craig. You know, I look at yeah. that fight, and I go, eh, what? They know what they're doing. All right. I'll give it to Skull him. Let's go now. Excuse me. Everyone can take Man, a drink. I've got, really, I've got a really bad, I've got really bad allergies still. They've actually gotten better since yesterday. Yesterday was miserable, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, I'm going to go with you as well. I'll say that fight. Lauren Murphy, Joe <laughs> Calderwood. Yeah. That, that's the fight. That is the fight on the prelims. It has the most ramifications. It does. It's important. All right. All right, uh, Podcast Dave, you got anything else for us? Yeah, let's jump into Wing and the Odds. Let's go. We're going to do uh, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. And there's these fights that we just talked about that we can get some bets on. So um, if you guys use that promo code, they're going to give you a little extra spending cash as well when you use that promo code. So go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. And we're going to actually give you guys our our take on who we would bet on given the odds. So let's uh, let's jump into Marvin Vittori versus Israel Adesanya. Marvin Vittori is plus 195. Izzy is minus 250. See right there. I, I, I honestly believe right now, I believe Izzy's going to win the fight. So I wouldn't bet it. But if I was going to be a guy that's going to bet and take a chance, I'm going to go with putting my money on Vittori because he has the ability to win that fight. And you're gonna end up putting, we'll say, a hundred dollars down to win basically two hundred dollars, where you got to put two hundred and fifty dollars down on Izzy to possibly win the hundred, and he could lose it. So I do think that Izzy's gonna win the fight. That's my pick for the fight. But if I was betting, I might say, you know, I'm gonna take the chance on putting my money on Vittoria to see if I can make more money. Makes sense. Oh yeah. Pretty stupid, isn't it? It says the under four and a half plus one fifteen for Izzy. Okay, so that means you're putting one hundred fifteen dollars down to win a hundred that he gets it done in under four and a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. He could get it done in under four and a half easy. That's not yeah, a bad no, bet. It's almost a straight up it's bet. Not. It's not a bad bet. 
Yeah, but so, like, you, why risk that amount of money for nothing? Really, you're not really get, you're not really making a whole lot either. I like to bet big and lose big. <laughs> I like to bet big and lose big, baby. Who oh, wants oh, to man, lose got, big? Oh, I know. Brennan, uh, Brennan Moreno versus uh, Figueredo. You've got Brennan Moreno is plus two hundred five. Figueredo is minus two forty five. Again, take a look at it. You know, both of us, I believe, think you know Figueredo has the skills and the the style to win that fight. But can Brandon Brandon Moreno came very close to winning that fight the first time. You know, he didn't. He didn't get it done. But you're talking about a junkyard dog. You're talking about a guy that has no quit. A guy that you know is going to go out there and give everything that he has. And he has the ability to end that fight. He hurt Figueroa in that first fight. There was moments when he was definitely hurt. So all it takes is one more, and that fight completely changed. And so you look and you say, "I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put a lot of money." And what was it? you said, two what? Two eighty? Two fifty? Two fifty? Same thing as Izzy? Two, sorry, uh, Figueroa's no minus 245, sorry. two forty five. Sorry, okay, so he's minus two forty five. I wouldn't put that two forty five out there knowing. Moreno's that guy that can uh, he can he can end this fight and he could he could get a win. So if I was gonna you know take the chance, I would put it on putting less money out to possibly win more money. Okay. Uh, Damian Maya versus Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad is minus two thirty five, and Damian Maya is plus one ninety five. Which way would you go? I'm going Bilal Muhammad. Sorry. You would? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I probably age. would as well. And I, lo- I love, I love Damien, and he's a, an unbelievable, you know, submission man. But he's going to have a hard time getting Bilal down, even though he could. Uh, but but Bilal is, you know, he's got a he's got a good gas tank. And if there's one thing about Damien, if Damien's going to win this fight, and you know, if I was looking at the odds, I would say, okay, what's the over under on rounds? Because if you're going to go that way, Damien could win the fight early in the first round. When Bilal is dry, that's Damien's time to win it. Once Bilal gets wet from sweat and they've been going for a while, Bilal continues to intensify in his output while Damien starts to tail off. He gets a little tired and he slows down. So I I would just look at that and I said, Bilal's the guy that's going to get the fight. Got Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards. Leon is a huge favorite, minus 560. Nate Diaz at plus three eighty five. What's what's the over under on uh, rounds? They they don't have one there. Oh, those bastards! My bookie, yeah. what is wrong with you guys? You are cheating me because that's where I would have gone. <laughs> they don't they don't have the over unders on the uh, the rest of the card. It's just for the main yeah. just for the main event. Yeah, you look at that and so, you go, I I would I I just I wouldn't be betting on Nate because it's just I look and I go, speed. Speed, 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 speed. It's just, you know, Leon is going to be very hard for Nate to track down and to hit and hurt. Uh, Nate, you know, Nate doesn't have huge power. He's got volume. He puts a lot of shots on you. But when you've got a guy that moves as well as Leon and is able to control distance in just about all of his fights, the guys that give Leon problems are not guys that are stand-up guys. The guys that give Leon problems are guys that are wrestlers trying to take him down, and that's not going to be Nate in this fight. And so I, I just couldn't couldn't put my money on Nate in this one. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I would, <laughs> I would just 
I mean, I'm sorry. Le- Leon's just fast, man. I'm like, I'm a huge, despite what people may think, I'm a huge Nick, Nick uh, Diaz brother fan. I like yeah. both Diaz brothers. Um, I have no uh, ill will towards any of them. Uh, Nick is an amazing person. You know, I've had moments to chat with him and talk with both him. Both of them are. Nate was also, yeah, Nate, Nate is also as well. Um, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot, you know, since our fight. But it's like, it really just comes down to like, they're good guys, man. That whole team, the, the you know, Jake scrap Shields, pack. Gilbert Melendez, the Scrap Pack, all those guys. They're, they're a good group of guys, man. They're they're fun yep. to be around. They're, solid. they're just good people. They're solid people, you know. Yep. And so, um, no, nah, it's just not a good fight. I think stylistically, it's not a good fight for him. So, yep. I agree. Um, what up, Dave? What else you got for bookie. us? That does it for bet that. Yeah, that does it for our my, our mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. They're gonna give you a little extra cash. You guys can bet on on these events as well as look. You got the NBA playoffs. You've got the Major League Baseball. You've got all these other events that you guys can uh, also bet on as well. So check those out. Hockey is in full effect still. So go ahead and hit the the gambling session there as well. So check them all out. All right, Dave. What else you got? Uh, that wraps it up for today's show, for the midweek show. We'll be back okay. on Sunday's regular schedule with uh, the recaps. All right. Very nice. We get to come back, and when you guys see us next, we will talk about what happened in the Bellator event and what happened with the title fight of Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. That's going to be a great fight. I cannot wait. And we promise that we will bring that to you. It will be out Sunday for your listening enjoy <laughs> uh, also go to pro slash Wayne in use the promo code and still and pick up one of our hey, new independence still. days shirts our 4th of July shirts are out check them out they are limited edition they will be taken off on the 4th of July so if you don't pick one up by the 4th of July they will be gone the next day so make sure you guys use that promo code and still at pro slash Wayne in we've got a royal blue one a red one and a white one with the with our signature logo on there as well, with little special uh, graphics on there for you guys to enjoy. So hopefully you guys pick one up. Also, all with a plethora of other shirts that we uh, we have there as well. So check out that site, prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne In. Use the promo code and still and pick up your one of your Wayne In shirts. Absolutely. What else is that? Everything. That is John? everything. We are done. Well, we have let's one say one last say. thing. Let's hear it. And wh- Let's say, no, no, hit the subscribe button on all of our platforms. Make sure you guys do that, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it. John, you can go ahead and say the last thing. You like Last thing that. you got to say is always, to everyone out there, we will see you.